Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 103. And away we go. Step up to the break. We got MJP and Green Man and Supreme and Champion and Chip Team. From my land to Japan and everywhere in between. Get the up to date news on the wrestling scene. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are about to go live. Are you ready to rock? So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? From the fans to the fans, let me hit the crowd. Pop, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. So take a shot. Thanks, Patty Ack. Welcome to, like I said, 103 episodes of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host, at Michael J. Potty. Thanks for listening. Uh, last year, we had this special guest on, and it was a renowning success. We had to bring him back to make it official, our second annual post-Super Bowl show, making his first appearance in a year. You know him. You love him. <laughs> the man of a thousand opinions. The voice of a generation. Erwin Escobar. Welcome back, buddy. Hi, Mike. Hi, Michael J. Putty. It's good to be back, buddy. Good to have you back. It's been a year since you've been here. <clears throat> it's been a long time. It's good to see that your vocabulary has worsened because I don't know what the fuck the word renounding is. I think the word is resounding. Exactly. Oh, too many shots of wrestling already. <laughs> Party pregame was too little too much down there downstairs. Um, we have- also, you could let that go. No one would have noticed. But thanks. For- right. Let's Are let's- you saying your, your viewers, your listeners wouldn't have noticed the, was, uh, the flow? It was just so quick. It was so quick. It was in and out. Okay. Anyway, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. How's life? Uh, life, life is uh, you know, ups and downs, baby. Eb- ebbs and flows, hills and valleys. Like, kind of like uh, Bray Wyatt's career. We talked about that right before the show started. Yep. <laughs> Guy gets no breaks. No breaks. You like Bray Wyatt though? You said you were a fan of him. I'm a fan of him, man. And I'm watching him. I'm watching him on Raw. You know, because we got Raw going on in the background right here. I'm sure we'll get to that later. But they, they, they never throw this. They never throw this guy a bone, man. Like they sent him to Raw just so he could keep jobbing out the Roman Reigns. Doing a good job at it though. He's doing a good job at jobbing. Yeah. yeah, Like Dolph Ziggler, he was good at jobbing. I taped the shows on Sunday nights on Fox, Simpsons. Man, that's still on. That's still on. It's it's not really that entertaining. It's, <laughs> it's not that must-see. Right. Like a wrestling fan, I'm trained. Monday nights, I have to watch Raw. Right. So now I'm still trained Sunday nights. Got to watch The Simpsons. Okay. So then I taped Family Guy. You know, the whole block of shows on Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple weeks ago, the football game was delayed. I was next door with my parents, eating dinner, helping them out. And I come back around 8.30, Simpsons is coming on TV. I'm like, all right, so what did I tape? Oh, it's right. right. It was the Vikings versus the Saints. Oh, nice. So on my DVR, it's the greatest three minutes of sports. <laughs> the, the best part of the game. <laughs> the best part of any game. <laughs> right. One of the best sports stories there is. What an ending. I just feel weird deleting it because it, oh. was, it was such a great moment. Right. I mean, I, the Super Bowl doesn't, Super Bowl doesn't compare to that. It doesn't. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. The, uh, the ending to the Super Bowl certainly wasn't as... I mean, it was a great know, ending, but it was just like energetic as viking saints viking oh, saints man. ending was like one of the greatest endings of anything <laughs> not know? only football sports in general yeah movies tv shows <laughs> it was it was one of the greatest endings ever who shot jr right the viking saints. viking saints close anyway what do you think of the super bowl is why you hear break it down <laughs> my super bowl thoughts yeah <clears throat> my super bowl thoughts is is that you saw the eagles do what the falcons should have done which was which was you know keep obviously keep scoring but when the falcon when the eagles needed to generate a long drive to uh kill some clock they did when when they got the uh 
when they got the ball back off the strip sack fumble, which oh. was incredible timing. Oh, great! You know when they got the ball back, you know they didn't they they didn't get stupid. They they ran some conservative plays, kill, killed that clock, and then they kicked the field goal to make it an eight point game. You know, so it was it was good to see. It was finally good to see a team other than the New York Giants have the Patriots on the ropes mm-hmm. and just finish the job. Do you think if the strip sack didn't happen, they would have came back? If the what? The strip sack then not the strip the yeah the strip sack yeah the yeah the strip sack fumble didn't happen. Um, based on what we had seen, you know, up until that point, one can only one can only assume that New England was going to drive down the field. They were driving. They I were, was I was getting nervous. I'm like, here we go. Of course, you were getting nervous. Well, first of all, the they had their way with the Philadelphia defense. You know, they were marching up and down the field. I think at the end of the game, Tom Brady threw for 500 yards. You know, I mean, usually when you give up 500 yards passing on on defense, you're going to lose the fucking game. Somehow the the Eagles found a way to win. But that that strip sack drive, it was pretty much a guarantee that the yep. that the Eagles were going to get that score. And we needed, you know, I say we, the Patriot haters. You know, we need we needed yeah, we did we needed the the Falcons to make a defensive stop. Just one time, and they had an all game long, you know, and that, and neither did the Patriots. Like there was only one team that there was only one team for one set of downs. It looked like that made a defensive stop, and that was the Eagles strip sack fumble. Which, by the way, just goes to show you, you know, how uh, precious timing is. Because if that strip sack fumble happens in the first quarter, the second yep. quarter, or the third quarter, it doesn't matter, you know, because okay, great, they kick a field goal, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just you know, it's just a field goal. The Patriots still would have had. So much time to come back, but it was the timing of that strip sack fumble, which was just incredible. I'm waiting for the um, if it hasn't come out already, the uh, Celine Dion song from <laughs> Titanic. That's great. We need that. I'm yeah, sure it's out there already. It's gonna find it. It's we need Celine Dion for Viking Saints. We oh. need Celine Dion for the strip sack fumble. Celine Dion for uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles catching that TD. Yeah, right. Which is incredible. It's funny how Nick Foles catching that touchdown was one of the, on the highlights of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was great. The only replay Tom Brady missing. Yeah. Like, he missed. Why am I watching this again and again? Yeah. Show me Nick Foles catching it should, for a score. Should we be surprised that a 40-year-old unathletic <laughs> white guy can't fucking die for a football and catch it? You Bitch. know, and it wasn't the it wasn't the easiest pass. It wasn't the easiest pass to catch because it was over the shoulder, and yeah, he he's not a professional receiver. One extra step, he would have gotten it. Yeah. it was close. Or dive, asshole. But, <laughs> see, that's, that's why the play is crazy because what if he does dive and hurts himself? What if he catches? What if he catches the ball and somebody on the Eagles comes from the other side and just rams right into him? But if he caught that ball, right? Oh god! One foot down and then drags a toe inbounds. Oh, greatest player of all time. Oh, okay, if he then you you might you might have sold me on that. Greatest if, player of all time. Yeah, if he if did he, that, but he, he didn't, so he's not. If he caught the yeah, you're right. If he catches that ball and just like you said, that that would have definitely given him goat status in my book because I'm the biggest hater. I will not admit that he's the goat. Fuck him. Who is the goat? Um, who's the goat? Yeah. Um, I, I love to say Peyton Manning to piss off the uh, Brady marks because, okay. yeah, five-time MVP, motherfucker. The motherfucker won the MVP award five times. Came back from came back from an injury and still kicked ass. A career-threatening injury. Yeah. And won the Super Bowl. Yeah. The, 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 with a the, different team. With a different team. The, Indianap- the Indianapolis Colts treated that guy like a fucking used Kleenex. For no reason. He got, he got hurt and they didn't want to pay him. No, that's right. It was all about the money. All about that cash money. And he ended up doing unbelievable things in uh, in Denver. But, you know, so people people say uh, Peyton Manning, Jerry, Jerry Rice is a candidate. And my favorite all-time candidate is probably Lawrence Taylor. 
LT. Yeah, Lars, Lars Taylor is the greatest of all time because he was just fucking nuts. It's great because when you hear about the greatest football player of all time, it's always quarterbacks. We always, we're just so. It's never like a right. wide receiver or a defensive back or a, a linebacker. Right. It's like. We're always thinking about the quarterbacks, which mm-hmm. I think is not fair to those, to guys like Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, Lawrence Taylor, who are unbelievable. Barry athletes. Sanders. Barry Sanders, right. Dan Marino. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You know, but greatest quarterback of all time? No, I'm going to go greatest quarterback of all time. I'm confidently going to say Peyton Manning Ooh, okay. because he didn't have the uh, number one. He didn't have Tom Brady's luck, and he didn't have he didn't have Tom Brady's luck. He didn't have Tom Brady's defenses. He didn't have Tom Brady's running game, and he didn't have Tom Brady's head coach. Me and you have together watched uh, the Elway to Marino and the Dan Marino NFL Life on the NFL Network. Much two, two great documentaries. Where does Dan Marino fall in your top? As quarterbacks? Yeah. Definitely top five. Okay. I like that. Definitely. I mean, the guy threw five. You know, we mentioned, we talked about this when we watched the documentary. Dan Marino threw 5,000 yards when nobody was doing that. Nobody. Well, I think it was the first player, too, right? Yeah. Nobody was doing that. Like, well, it also helped that he had no running game. <laughs> no running game. Nobody, nobody was throwing for 5,000 yards. And now, with the way the passing rules are, you can't jam, you can't really jam up the receivers at the line. Yep. You know, I mean, you got. Fucking Matthew Staff didn't Matthew Stafford throw for like five thousand yards one year? He might have. Yeah, Matt guys like Matthew Stafford, like it's so fucking easy now. <laughs> you know, that scrubs like Matthew like Matthew Stafford are fucking throwing, you know, so 5, what you're, what you're yards. saying is Dan Marino's playing now, you throw for ten thousand. If Dan Marino's playing now, he could throw for ten thousand yards in eight weeks. Mm. <laughs> Even if you're playing now at the age of fifty something. Yeah. Nick Foles, what what's what's the future hold for him? I mean, he's even, a backup. He, he was a starter, did not do much. Even the Eagles don't know. They don't know. What do you think happens to him? Do you think he goes somewhere? Do you think he keep him? Well, I'm, he's a Super Bowl MVP. You can't just let him go. How do you how do you let a Super Bowl MVP just walk away? Yeah, right? even as a backup, they really they really put themselves in a quarterback controversy. But I, they would trade. They would make that trade quarterback controversy for a Super Bowl any day of the week. Hmm. Um, where's he gonna go? Uh, we'll think short. Let's just talk about this in the short term. Please. I say Nick Foles stays with the team for now because they don't know if Carson Wentz is going to come back completely from this injury. That makes sense. You know, if Carson Wentz comes back for this injury and he sucks, then you got no, you got no choice but to bring Foles back. I tweeted the NFL. I tweeted Roger Goodell this. Oh, you did, huh? The NFC East. Yeah, I haven't heard back yet. I'm waiting. <laughs> the NFC East owns the Patriots. Do the Cowboys and Redskins really own the Patriots? I haven't really seen it, but the Giants and Eagles do. I feel like the Eagles do beat them on regular. So can we trade the Patriots for the Redskins? <laughs> Give us the Redskins in the AFC East. Please. You're a Redskins fan. I'm about to levels, shit, but yeah. levels the playing field. Yeah. Makes the conference more enjoyable. Right. And uh, it makes the NFC East more enjoyable. Yeah, I think the one person, the, the three people against that would be Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. They don't want anything to do. They don't want to play and, the Giants and Eagles twice. And Roger Goodell, I guess, too, right? And Goodell, yeah. But overall, any commercials you liked? Because last time we talked about a half an hour for the Super Bowl, because that was just a great Super Bowl this time. Was yeah. like, I felt like it was like, a, all right. You know, we saw so much offense. Maybe maybe we've got like this mad attitude because the Eagles held it down. You know what I mean? Like there was plenty of reason to be angry after Falcons-Patriots. Yeah. But here I felt like there wasn't that much reason. Because we're all happy angry. now. Yeah. Patriots lost. Yeah, it's great. Does it feel good? I think it's great. <laughs> but there was a picture of Giselle posted of her hugging Tom Brady when he was crying. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was crying. It kind of does make you feel like, wow, this guy does love every win. He not his sixth; it's a Super Bowl win to him. It's like, right for a second, like, oh man, that's 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 passion, that's drive, that's what you want into somebody. And then I realize that Tom Brady, fuck Tom Brady, fuck Tom Brady. 
That guy wants to win because that's football. That's all he has. He's not like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's had a career after football. Yeah, commercials. Yeah, and chicken an unbelie- farm you chase so good. Right, he, the State Farm. No, the Nationwide commercials right. and an unbelievable performance on the uh, on the Rob Lowe. Was it Rob Lowe? Who did they? Who did they? Yes, play? I think it was Rob Lowe. Yeah, oh, Rob he, Riggle, right? He, yeah, Rob Riggle was on that roast. And Peyton Manning was on that roast, and Peyton Manning was incredible. Hit a home run. Hit a home run, Tom. Yeah, I think comedy's the whole future. Song. No, but. As far as as far as the, as the commercials go, I wasn't really. I wasn't even, paying attention either, because I was so I was so enthralled with the game. I was so locked into the game, and good. I was at a Super Bowl party that the commercials was was a chance for me to decompress a little bit and and wait for the next bit. But I did catch the elect the Alexa commercial for Amazon seemed pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't remember any commercials. I wasn't really paying too much attention. I just nothing stood out to me. I was like, mm. yeah. last year was so much better. Gordon Ramsay said something funny during the commercial. So, like I said, the Alexa commercial was good to me, and everybody seems to be going crazy over the Eli Manning, Odell Beckham. I missed that one. I still commercial. haven't seen that. I keep one of the YouTube, but I still haven't checked it out. I don't know how hardcore Giants fans feel about that, though, because it was mad fruity. Two guys dancing on the dirty dancing? Hey, it's 2018. All right. Anything goes. True. Uh, Valentine's Day's coming up. Any big plans? I can't give those plans away right now on the on the, uh, <laughs> on the a, podcast. So that's a no. Okay, that's a good answer. I'll just, I'll just say that. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's hard planning when you got... Const- when you're constantly working and you got the two kids, two ki- but you're off on Wednesdays. I'm off on Tuesdays. Wednesdays. Is Valentine's Day on a Wednesday? Wednesday. Oh, just perfect. Dinner plans, a the- hotel. Wait, what are you kidding? On flower Val- on Valentine's Day night. What am I made of money? <laughs> yeah, you work for the MTA. No, no. It might. It might. MTA backwards might stand for ATM, but that's only. That only <laughs> means. That only means ass to mouth. It doesn't mean. Oh, uh, <laughs> crossing the line. This is a family show here. Don't fucking cross that fucking line. Um. You know, but I, I definitely wouldn't want to go on Valentine's Day itself. You know, it's like Chris Rock said, man. Once, once you get well, old, Chris Rock said, right? Nope, horrible. Okay, I work on that. <laughs> I, you had the cadence. Thanks, I did. You know, once, once you once you're with the same person oh, for a while, I'll, I'll have the cadence. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, I'm working on your Jimmy Stewart. Give me some Jimmy Stewart here. Some some Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> once you've been with a bitch for long enough, who wants to spend the money you need for Valentine's Day? You just wait for February 18th. Earl Escobar. That was not Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> That was a good, good job. Yeah, I figure you know, I figure we'll just go out on like, on like uh, another weekend or something like that. It's just easier for everybody. Yeah, I have heard people couples say that we're not doing anything on Valentine's Day. We're going to go out the weekend after. Right. That's what couples who have been together for a long time do. When you're when you're with new pussy, you don't you don't do that whole oh let, let me take you out on February nineteenth. You're going <laughs> out on February fourteenth. That's a tip you heard from a long time married man. <laughs> if no, if you have no plans for Valentine's Day. If you're alone, not sure how to change that, Eric Jaden is waiting for the love hotline to give out advice so you can become like Erwin Escobar, a love connoisseur. Make sure you dial it up, 619-343-3005. If you're too shy to hear your voice on air, inbox at shotofwrestling.com. Email us. Eric Jaden will be answering our phone calls. The episode's going to drop on Valentine's Day, so make sure you get them in as soon as possible. Now, you're, you've been watching wrestling for a long time, right? Uh, off and on, you know how it is when I was when a, you're a kid. kid. When I was a kid, little kid, I was watching him, but we didn't have cable, never getting pay-per-views. Do you remember the Killer Bees? Yeah, I remember the Killer Bees. Green Man has sat down with B. Brian Blair from the Killer Bees. Wow. On this week's interview. So Green Man, take it away. Thank you, Michael J. Putty, and episode 103, it's off to a great start. 
I am looking forward to Valentine's Day and all that great love advice that you were talking about from one Mr. Eric Jaden, the definition of authority and sexiness. But tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this show, we are going a little bit retro because Michael J. Putty, I've always wanted to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, a shot of wrestling proudly brings to you one half of the WWF Tag Team Champions, B. Brian Blair from the Killer Bees. How you doing, my man? I am doing awesome, Evil. How are you, brother? Oh, I am doing great, my man, and it is a pleasure to welcome you to an episode of A Shot of Wrestling. So let's just get right into it. The Killer Bees are one of the most legendary, talked-about tag teams of all time. And in a comic book, the Killer Bees comic book, you illustrate your origin story. For our listeners, can you walk us through the moment that you personally decided to become a professional wrestler? Well, I came from very humble roots. Like in my neighborhood, there were only three white families. Like I was a minority. The Jacksons lived not far from me, Michael Jackson and his family. Wow. My dad was a union carpenter and he got laid off work. And all of a sudden I noticed we were getting, you know, powdered eggs and uh, all this icky stuff. And in uh, the mail, like it came in a box right. back there. And I remember wanting to go to the store at Sly in Armenia here in Tampa. I was in the line getting ready to check out. I, back then, they just had cash registers. You know? yeah. Steve Epperson, who's a Hillsborough County Sheriff, when I was uh, when I was uh, the county commissioner at large here in Hillsborough County politics. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this guy Stephen Epperson, he was a, he was a sixth grader. I was in fifth grade, and he was with two other guys, and they were real rednecks, man. They would just like want to beat your butt for no reason. Okay. Anyway, um, I hear the lady saying something to me and I'm not really hearing anything because I know these guys are kind of bad mouthing me and talking something, saying something bad because in my hand I had these coupons and she's asking me for the money. And I, mm-hmm. so I give her the embarrassingly kind of give her the coupons because I knew this wasn't right. Anyway, they teased me and I went to school the next day and they had um, really ugly words written across Egypt Lake Elementary School where I went. Um, and all of a sudden I hear, there's Blair, there's Blair. And, and they were talking about um, just saying really kind of mean things to me. And I look and I read what it says in green spray paint. And, you know, I don't even want to repeat it on your show. It was so mm-hmm. ugly and nasty. And so I ran home and cried and cried. And Mr. Aguilano, my teacher, came uh, that evening, and you know he was. Everybody respected Mr. Aguilano, and he's still still alive, still a great guy. Yeah. I still see him once in a while. But he came and told me, you know, you could be what you want to be, you could do what you want to do. Gave great great pep talk. Said, well, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I want to be a wrestler. I think a pro wrestler. I mean, even at that young age, That's I young. just was so so. I admired Jack Briscoe, who later on became my best friend, uh, so much. And I was already wrestling in, in, in uh, junior high school. They called it then instead of middle school. Mm-hmm. And in ninth grade, I won the county championships in the heavyweight division, wrestled all through high school, college, played football, did all that kind of stuff. But at the age of like 13, 14 years old, I was wanting to be a wrestler. And how did you go about becoming a wrestler at such a young age? Because... 
We're, we're fortunate now that we have the internet. So if anybody's interested in being a professional wrestler, they can look up schools and easily just sign up and, you know, begin their journey. But, you know, it's a different time back then. How did you start pursuing it? Well, back then the business was really closed. There was a very few, there was very few people that had a school that you could go pay. I think uh, Malenko had one because he started what they called back then was like an outlaw territory mm-hmm. or there were outlaw, outlaw promotions. Uh, in other words, they weren't sanctioned by the NWA or by WWWF or AWA. Okay. So uh, the the Briscoes and Steve Kern, Mike Graham, Eddie Graham, they would come to different high school wrestling events. And I had been in the paper a few times uh, and also on Fox 13 News here um, with a gentleman named Andy Hardy. And I always wore a suit because somebody... I, don't, I forget who gave me that great advice to always look nice. And I try to tell the mm-hmm. boys that whenever you're going to be on TV or in the public's eye, you know, look classy and represent yourself well, because somebody told me that at an early age. And uh, I believe it was Buddy Colt. Now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it's good advice. And, uh, uh, yeah. And Buddy, I used to actually babysit for Buddy Colt's kids oh, and wow. <laughs> um, for Dusty Rhodes' um, uh, family's kids. Um, so you babysat Cody it. Rhodes? And Dustin? No, I ba- I babysat their mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, it's their mother's their mother's sister's kids. All right, all right. And Cody, uh, Dusty was divorced from um, not Cody's mom. That's Michelle, but from Dustin's okay. mom. Gotcha. You know, Michelle's a wonderful girl. Um, her sister Terry Rubio uh, wound up having Pete Rose's baby. Pete used to actually come when I was with, uh, you know, my younger siblings and my mom had to go work, whatever. She hired Terry to be my babysitter then. And so that's how I became kind of like the babysitter. She knew I was a good kid and all that, but she, uh, Pete Rose would give me 20 bucks to scram. Uh, <laughs> Man, Pete Rose has been around <laughs> professional wrestling even before we actually got to see him on TV, like getting a choke slam by Kane. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, that was, uh, kind of how, um, how things actually started from there. Uh-huh. They, they let me go to the dungeon. Buddy Colt uh, actually was very instrumental. Um, and, and of course, Eddie and the Briscoes knew me, but Eddie was the big boss. And he, he knew that I had very good worth, work ethics, that I was a good athlete, and um, that I had a lot of respect for everybody. Yeah. And that's never changed. It's never changed. I respect everybody from the homeless to the Learjet limousine jet setters. I don't care who you are. I respect you as long as you respect those around you and you respect me. Mm-hmm. You know, from there, uh, I went into the dungeon and the first the first three days were just Hindu squats and push-ups and 10, 12 minutes of amateur wrestling. Um, it was like, just like crazy. I mean, I don't see how, I, to this day, I don't know how I went through that most difficult time because out of the three uh, years that I trained with Hero, the three summers before leaving college, um, Hulk Hogan, uh, Paul Orndorff, and myself were the only three that made it. I mean, there were guys, Dan Spivey started, he left, and uh, he's a great guy, by the way. Wasn't Scott so Hall in the mix there for a bit, too? Scott Hall, Scott Hall came and left, um, but I think he came back. Um, I'm not sure whether he broke in here or afterwards, or I know he left. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, my my first and second day of training, I threw up everywhere. I mean, there was 
It was terrible. After throwing up the first two days, the third day I rolled out of the ring and that suit, I was kind of gagging and he's looking at me, waiting for me to throw up. And I just kind of was starting to catch my breath and he reached with his foot and pulled my chin up and he said, hey boy, what's the matter you might pick today? And I looked at him and I said, well, Mr. Matsuda, I honestly haven't eaten since the last time I threw up. <laughs> and so I saw him kind of turn his head with a smirk. Yeah. After that, he kind of lightened up on me enough to get by. <laughs> so it, it were probably, I mean, well over 100 people came and left from Jack and Jerry Briscoe and Carl Gotch and, and uh, Gordon Nelson and um, Bob Backlund and all these guys that were, you know, good wrestlers and, and good hookers would come down and train and teach and teach and teach. Mm -hmm. and finally, uh, Hogan came, Orndorff came, Orndorff came next, then Hogan came during that first summer. They went through the same stuff. Um, and I'd have to wrestle everybody. Um, I was kind of like the uh, the enforcer, if you will. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, I already knew Terry from going to the wrestling matches, and Orndorff was my hero. It was uh, amazing that Paul Orndorff came when I used to watch number 40. I used to sell sodas in the Tampa Stadium uh, in the old sombrero here and love uh, Freddie Solomon, the quarterback, and uh, Paul Orndorff, the fullback. And they were like real heroes. I mean, if I didn't wrestle, I was just going to play football or do something. You know, one or the other, but wrestling was my was my uh, real passion. Right. You know, having having Paul there was really cool. Having Terry there was really cool, and watching all the other guys leave without their clothes and stuff was something that I'm not really proud of, but it's just the way it was. Well, your story kind of um, really exemplifies one of the sayings that we have in the show. It's kind of become our mantra that wrestling brings people together. And now here you are being brought together by people that you looked up to, like your heroes, like you mentioned. It's pretty amazing. Is there any um, advice that they gave you that till this day you still um, keep to heart? Uh, yeah, probably the best advice I always got was to be humble, uh, that you're going to meet the same people on the way up as you go on the way down. And um try to always be positive and and be a good listener listen to everybody that you can and and be appreciative when they give you advice and if it works for you fine if it doesn't you nothing uh, lost you know nothing and now back in I'm that time it was also like big into the territory days so were you traveling um from stadium to stadium and arena to arena with these guys Oh, absolutely, man. More, more ribs, more fun than you can imagine. Um, so why don't you share I, I some of those ribs and stories with us while we have you here? <laughs> I'm actually writing a book called Ribs to Go, so I'll give you some. Uh, one of the first ribs that they got me on, um, I was in the car in the back of Gerald Briscoe's Lincoln Versailles, and we were on the way to West Palm Beach to the uh -huh. auditorium. And this was my first week in the business. And I fell asleep in the back. I wasn't used to these long road trips yet. You know, I had been just working out so hard and so excited, trying to learn everything. and I could hardly sleep. I didn't know it, but they moved the clock up an hour. So they wake me up and they said, Brian, man, we're late. We got sidetracked, traffic, whatever excuse they gave me. And so I go, oh, no, oh, no. And they said, you're on first. I know, I know I'm on first. Oh, gosh, what am I do? They said, well, get dressed in the car right now so you can at least run in and you'll be dressed. And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. So, you know, I, they stop, I get my bag, pull it into the back seat. I'm getting all dressed. I had this purple, uh, uh, velvet purple jacket with gold sequins that Pat mm -hmm. Patterson actually gave me. So I put the jacket on with all my stuff and 
you know, I was starting to sweat a little. They turned the heater on, and so they were just driving the heck out of me on the way there. And everybody stood from like an hour and a half before the matches. The people would you have, had to go underneath the people to get into the building. Mm-hmm. And so Jack Gerald pulled right up in front of the people right there and made sure it was a spectacle. And I oh, jump God. out, grab my bag, and I run in, and, and the doors locked. They hadn't even opened the doors. <laughs> on the doors, oh man, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Um, they just uh, laughed so hard. Eddie Graham thought that was just hilarious, and the boys thought that was hilarious. So, you know, everybody got their laughs and everything for the next few hours at the matches. But on the way home, it was worse. What so, happened on the way home? So I'm in the back seat of Lincoln, uh, the Versailles. You know, we're we're drinking beer. You know, because that's the way it was back then. Yeah, you know, everybody drank. So I'm the bartender, and all of a sudden, Pat Patterson had a brand new gold Lincoln Continental Town Car, and the great Mephisto, Frankie Kane, is um, in the passenger seat. Pat Patterson's driving, and uh, Pat's boyfriend, uh, Louis Dondero, um, who passed away, was a wonderful guy. God bless him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, it's, it's dark, obviously. You know, it's at night. We're probably, uh, you know, already a, a hundred miles into the trip, and they pass us up. And, and uh, Louie is mooning us out of the moonroof. And they're honking the horn. And so we look over and everybody's laughing. And either Jack or Gerald, one of them said, you know, dang, Beeper. They call me Beeper. That's a long, that's another long story. But anyway, <laughs> dang, Beeper, man. These guys are just uh, ribbing you constantly, man. We got to do something. And I said, yeah, we really do got to do something. I got to do something. What can I do? And I said, uh, one of them said to me, um, I'll tell you what, let's pull over to the side of the room like we're, and we'll get out like we're peeing and you jump in the trunk. We'll make sure that there's nobody around, make sure they're right behind us. And when I count to three, you moon them real good. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, that's a great idea. So I pull my pants down to my ankles, get in the trunk. All of a sudden, one of them says, okay, get ready. Uh, they're right behind us, Brian. The beeper goes right behind us. Nobody's nobody's around. And they are right behind us, Moon. I'm good. I said, I will, I will, I promise. And all of a sudden, one, two, three, the trunk button pops open. And I reach back and I grab my cheeks and shake my ass and turn around to see them laughing. And um, they had back, the Briscoes backed up into the picture window of the Stuckey's restaurant, oh which God. was full of people. <laughs> it was full of people. And they lay on the horn, honk, and I look up and I see this this black gentleman tapping this older gray-haired lady. I guess she was a server or something. And they're, <laughs> they got their, their noses and everything pressed against the window. And now all the faces are lining up in the window, and I'm laying there in the trunk like, I, you know, I don't know what to do. So I go to get out of the trunk, and my, since my pants were at my ankles, I fell down, and, you know, they got more than a moon. And... I go to grab the back uh, door and they take off and I look and I see I'm standing there trying to pull my pants up and run after the car at the same time. And I see this guy drop his gas pump. He's laughing so hard. And over in the corner were Mephisto and um, Pat and Louie just laughing at me so ridiculously hard. And now I'm sitting in the Stuckey's parking lot, you know, took me two, three minutes to get my pants up and I didn't want to go anywhere near back that road to the restaurant, and I didn't know what to do, so I started walking down the highway, and they finally came back and got me. But Have you uh, ever gone back to that restaurant? 
Uh, no, never. never. Uh, I went, went by it a hundred times, but uh, Gordon Soley said, uh, uh, we'd like to thank Brian Blair for his public appearance at Ehaw Junction. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. Oh, man. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, from from these road stories, you then make it to the WWF um, to form a tag team and become the Killer Bees. How did that come all together? Yeah, when they were stealing the top guys from the territory, Vince Jr. really liked me a lot. He used to come up. I, I mean, I, I remember working with Mr. Wonderful Paul Lundorf mm-hmm. and... and um, him and I worked in St. Louis. You can YouTube it and see it. I had a pair of red trunks on. And if you were at the, I mean, it's good when you watch it on YouTube, but if you were there, it was amazing. The people were more into that match than any match. Vince came out after the match and he said, he was just so happy. He said that was the best match he's ever seen in his life. And I, I, I swear that. Yeah, no, I've saw, I saw that match on YouTube, actually. It's funny that you bring that up. And one of the things that did strike me of, of it, it's like how different the times have changed with being a fan of professional wrestling. Because you're out, like, you're out there, you guys are putting a great match, but people are so invested. Like, they're feeling all the emotion that you guys are putting out there. You know, it's, it's a, a lot different nowadays with the internet, um, with people getting a little bit ahead of what's really going on, that sometimes you just can't get wrapped up in the moment like like you used to like i just like i saw in that match well thank you i appreciate that and and so um so since vince already knew knew me and hogan came from the awa where greg garnia and uh jim brunzel were the high flyers this year he went he got hogan but you know obviously he wasn't going to get greg because that's you know Vern's son and several of the other talent stayed, but he got the terror and a, and a few of their top guys, you know, really top guys. So he was really just going after the top guys. And I get a phone call from Terry and he said to me, he said, Brian, listen, um, Vince wants you to come up and team with a guy named Jumping Jim Brunzel. He's going to create a great tag team division. Mm-hmm. And I know he's got, he's got big plans for you guys. And you're going to make a lot more money than you're making right now. And right then I was making, you know, two grand a week, which was big money back then. Back then. And, that sounds good. Yeah, so I go, uh, I go up to New York. I meet Jimmy. Uh, we get along great. Um, we're, we were in um, Brantford, Ontario, and getting ready to do TV. And uh, Jimmy and I, of course, had been talking for a while, getting to know each other. And uh, George Scott comes up to us and says, "Listen, um, you guys are on in about an hour, but we need a catchy name for you, and you know, just something." something that's different and i can't you know he couldn't even give me like any hints i mean trying to get hints out of him or something yeah so he walks away he said he'd be back in a little while and um before he had even left the thing i was talking to jimmy and i said blair brunzel blair brunzel jimmy jimmy brian jimmy brian and i'm going back and forth jimmy's going back i said jimmy do you remember the miami dolphins undefeated team and he said, yes, I do. And he remember the, the name of their uh, linebackers were the Killer Bees because uh, wow. all their last names began with B. And he said, yeah. I said, what about the Killer Bees? And he said, Killer Bees? I, I don't know. I, I asked George. You know? and so George comes over and says, uh, have you guys thought about anything? And I said, well, um, how about the Killer Bees? And he goes, the Killer Bees? I kind of like that. He goes, Dude, let me ask Vince. So he comes back about, oh, I don't know, probably maybe 10 minutes later, and he goes, you guys are the killer bees. Vince loves it. And 
as soon as he said that, Lanny Poffo reaches in his bag and pulls out a pair of killer B type, black and yellow striped. Lanny had like every gimmick there was. Oh my God. <laughs> so, uh, so it was so funny, you know, so uh, we uh, kind of took that version of his tights and made our own tights and um, became the killer bees in Brantford, Ontario. Wow, that's amazing. And, and it's also amazing how much trust they have on the talent. You know, you've already established yourself in the singles career and you're coming in fresh, but they still believe in you enough to be like, hey, we still need a team name. Like you guys decide what do you want to be? Like nowadays, it's like you're given a script and you're like, hey, this is who you're going to be because this is what we need you to be. It's it's a lot different. Exactly. Exactly. It's totally different now. I wonder how many of the guys that could actually go out there and work the way we, we worked. I mean, I, a lot of them could because, um, you know, they learn in independence and stuff like that where they don't have that. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, uh, you know, everything we did, you know, the only thing we knew were maybe a couple spots in the finish and what we might do to start out. A lot of times we wouldn't even know that, you know, just, just the finish. That was all. Yeah. So you just go out call it in the ring, you know, and every, every town where you can go to Tampa, uh, Toledo, Tupelo, Mississippi. I mean, every crowd's different and crowds react differently. That's why when you learn that psychology from these great people, like the Funks and the Briscoes and the Graham, I mean, when you learn that psychology, it's, it's a tremendous psychology that you can, you just listen to the people and you learn what they, and you, and you understand how to play with their emotions, you know, how to bring them up and how to bring them down and when it's, when it's right to make a comeback and when it's not right. And so right. when you have a, a match on paper that you got to follow, it's, it's not as generally doesn't come out as good, but that's the way the fans are educated now. You know, you can take somebody like Randy Orton, uh, AJ Styles, uh, guys like that, and they can do anything without anything. Mm -hmm. But you know, the majority of the guys can't do that. Randy Orton obviously learned old style. You know, Kofi, um, guys that have been there. You know, that are maybe their upper aged talent is. They're most of them are uh, really keen on. As we get into the conversation about the current superstars, as a wrestling fan, who do you get excited to see perform? Uh, Randy Orton's uh, one of my favorite. AJ Styles. Um, uh, you know, I like John Cena. Uh, I like uh, Rotundo's kids. Um, oh, yeah, they're great. They really they're, they're, are. Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Bo Dallas. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great talent. So, um, you know, most, most of the guys I, I really like. I like... Uh, uh, Chris, uh, you know, um, Jericho. Yeah, Jericho. But I, I just kind of, uh, as soon as I said Chris, my, my mind went right to Benoit. And he was such a close friend. I just don't uh -huh. know that. And I, I went out with him uh, just a couple weeks before he did that. We went out and ate dinner, and he, I mean, I could never see him doing that. It's so strange. No, it is a definitely a crazy story in professional wrestling. But taking that out of the equation the career that chris benoit had is something that you could only aspire to be right now let's just change topics here there's a lot of things that you are very passionate about one of them is the cauliflower alley club so why don't you fill us in a little bit more on what that is for those who are not familiar with because it's a great cause and it's a it's a great organization 
It is the greatest organization, the greatest fraternity that I have ever been a part of. Um, anybody can become a member. We have our 53rd reunion coming up in Vegas, April 30th through May 2nd. If you go to cauliflowerallyclub.org, cauliflowerallyclub.org, check it out. And for 25 bucks, you can become a member and you get four copies of a newsletter. It's an award-winning newsletter called The Ear. It's four-color, and you can't get it on the Internet. Um, you get a, a certificate. And we just help so many of the guys that have fallen on uh, bad financial times. It's it's amazing, and the reunions are so much fun. There'll be you know, hundreds of wrestlers and hundreds of fans that just converge together and uh, have a blast. Brian, there is no doubt that you will not have a blast because just announced the Art Abrams Lou Fest Lifetime Achievement honoree is none other than Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels. So, ladies and gentlemen, book your rooms for Las Vegas, Nevada, April 30th through May 2nd because it is going to be a great time with some great wrestlers for a great cause. Now, let's get into the news with Michael J. Putty. It's in the news with Michael J. Putty. Another great job by Green Man Irwin. What do you think about the Killer Bees interview by B. Brian Blair? I thought it was good. It was refreshing. I haven't heard from B. Brian Blair in a while. Plus, it's good to hear about the old school stories because Green Man interviews a lot of the current indie standouts. Right. So good for guys like us to hear the old school WWF stories. Yeah, guys like me, you know, who finally gets to hear from someone they know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the end of that interview, we're talking about the Cauliflower Alley Club, a great organization that helps professional wrestlers who are down on their luck, have not exceeded the fames, have not reached John Cena, Hulk Hogan status, people who are well in age, don't have the finances to cover medical insurance. Oh, and Jesus. Uh, surgeries or this and that. You don't think about these old guys pulling their bodies on the line week in and week out. They're going to need help. And apparently the Cauliflower Alley Club is there to help them out. So thank you to be Brian Blair for all you do. And uh, let's keep the good work going. Ready to get some, some news? Yeah, let's go. The Miz, we talked about it in our social medias. The Miz has signed a new four-year deal with the WWE, which means we'll see The Miz until 20, uh, 2022. Excited about that? You're a big Miz fan, right? I am a big Miz fan, even though he's on Raw. I don't really watch Raw, but I think Miz is great. It's good that he's um, going to be on, on the team for another four years. Good for him. According to my sources, though, the word is the officials wanted to sign him for a longer contract Miz declined oh baller so we'll see what's going on with that good a four year four year deal is long enough for him maybe he wants to expand his career because who knows he might he might end up on the wrong side of the bed with these fucking guys they could just shit on him any day of the week I don't think so I think he's like a WWE guy I think he's like a John Cena type like he's a loyalist he's going to be there no matter what mm, until he pisses somebody off I guess Mm, true. Another news? Well, there's, this week there's been a lot of conflicting reports about the status of Jason Jordan, his neck injury. Was it serious? Is it minor? Well, the E confirmed he went. He underwent uh, neck surgery. However, there's no timetable for his return yet. You don't watch Raw, so you don't know about Jason Jordan. Yeah, but how old is Jason Jordan? I think he's in early to mid-20s. Early to mid-20s, and he's got... A neck problem. injury yeah. that's so bad he had to go under the knife. Apparently, it was minor surgery, minor invasive surgery. Nah, that's bullshit. Ain't no such thing as a minor neck surgery. So we're not sure how, how long he'll be out. So make sure you follow us on social medias, Shot of Wrestling No Way on Twitter, A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. We will keep you updated. Now, the news, I'm sure you about you were there. Roy Rumble, Ronda Rousey debuted. Yeah. What were your two cents about Ronda Rousey? Real Ronda quick, Rousey? Real quick. I think she's mute because all she did was point to the fucking WrestleMania sign and that was it. Can somebody give her a line? <laughs> 
Well, there have been rumors floating around for a couple days now what the if WWE officials are planning to do with her. The rumor right now is to pair Ronda Rousey up with Paul Heyman, make her a Paul Heyman girl. Right. Great. Now i got to deal with him. He will have a lot of influence on her creative like he does with Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And he'll be her, quote unquote, advocate. Do you think that's too obvious? Um, making her female Brock Lesnar? So what? Sometimes obvious is the best route to go. Yeah, but it's just like... Mm. And and people love Paul Heyman, so it's They do, and she's out. not that great of a speaker, so... Yeah. You know, it's a move. It's a good move for for the WWE and Ronda Rousey. Give it Paul Heyman. Let Paul Heyman do all the talking. He's magic. He is magic. He's got the magic touch because somehow he's a, he's been able to convince all these foolish marks out there that Brock Lesnar is like this great wrestler. And he's oh, I can't stand that guy. He stinks hopping around. You know, if you're a Roman Reigns, if you're a Roman Reigns hater and you love Brock Lesnar, you should be ashamed of yourself. Don't, don't don't come to me. Don't come to normal marks like myself and say you hate Roman Reigns because he's got no. Pers- personality he's only got four moves and then go and then go support a guy who has also has no personality and only two moves at least Roman Reigns can cut a promo at least as dry as it may be at least he can talk yeah because Brock Lesnar is a big intimidating force and then he has this like high-pitched voice it's like he's got that that Wisconsin Minnesota Mm. accent North Dakota while we're talking about UFC wrestlers Mm. CM Punk dropped another hint about his return to the octagon. Really? UFC announced that uh, 225 will take place in Chicago, his hometown. Okay. So he tweeted a thinking face emoji, and the rumors right now are that he will face Mike Jackson. You know what Mike Jackson is? No, No, not at all. No one does. No one does. He is, as a UFC, I'm sorry, MMA record of 0-1. Okay, so new guy. Nothing wrong with that. CM Punk's 0-1. Yeah. So, makes sense. Something's got to give. Mike Jackson's first and only match in MMA was a loss to Mickey Gall, the same guy who defeated CM Punk. So oh wow! Kind of a poetic thing going there. Ooh. These both guys can't beat Mickey Gall. So <laughs> who's Mickey Gall's greatest victory over? Battle of the Losers yeah. here at UFC two two five in Chicago. It's the it's the we lost to Mickey Gall Invitational. <laughs> In the news, according to my man Dave Meltzer, W officials are not happy with the ratings of Mixed Match Challenge. Are you watching that? Not at all. Okay, other news. Uh, Two hundred five. No, hold, hold on, hold on a second. Just don't jump to other news as well like that, please. No, that's it. There's a, there's a yidge drop from ratings <laughs> right. from week one to week two. It's, yeah, because you know, it's, it's only on Facebook. Nobody wants to go on Facebook to watch wrestling, dude. No, I watched the last two weeks, the end of it, so I could know when the top to 205 live to find out what's going on with Enzo. Okay. But I didn't watch, I didn't turn at 10 o'clock to watch it. I don't want to go watch on my Facebook because it's a small screen on my phone. Just put, the, I don't see why they just don't put the mixed match on like SmackDown or Raw. I mean, or it's make, fun. Make, make it on the network. Yeah. Why, is that a, why do you get to go this Facebook Live? Might be a test for XFL, though. We'll get to that later. Oh. We'll get to that later. So, uh, Ellen News? 205 Live. You watch 205 Live? No. <laughs> Vince McMahon has reportedly <laughs> stepped down from his duties of running 205 Live, and the reins have been handed to Triple H. Oh, thank God. Triple H runs NXT. Everyone loves NXT. So well, there you go. This might be uh, changing the guard, so to speak, with 205 Live. Make you watch 205 Live? I think, I don't know if I would watch 205 Live. If they incorporated it into the one show that I watch, I'd be I'd be fine with that. SmackDown. But, yeah. But the one the one time I did see two, a little bit of the 205 guys was when Enzo got the belt, and that was awesome. So Which is what you wanted. They wanted to get the belt to Enzo, make people watch yeah. 205 Live. And then he messed that up. Womp womp. The other news? Following the success of the Cruiserweight Classic and the May Young Classic, there is speculation that WWE might hold a new Latin American tournament later this year from wrestlers with Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Chile, Peru, and other countries in 
South America and Central mm-hmm. America. Your face and your eye roll shrooms, you don't give a crap. It's not that I don't give a crap. What they should call it is the let's find new guys to squash invitational because we have <laughs> we, we have no because let's face it, the WWE has no intention of ever like really pushing really, really pushing uh Latino talent like that. Who's like okay, Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. and uh who who was the other guy? Alberto uh, the the Rio. Rio and uh and uh Sincara or the other the other dude. But I feel like yo, yo when dude. it comes to Latin talent, like they got these Mexican they got these Mexican guys with the masks flying all over the ring and they're called Lucha Libres, please respect. The the, the, the the Lucha Libre dudes the Lucha Libres be flying all over the ring, putting on a great show for the folks, but not ever good enough to get a title. Mm. That's what they created the cruiserweights for. Uh huh, sure. And who's got the title on cruiserweights? It's vacated. Sorry, it's in abeyance. It's in abeyance. Right. Yeah, not vacated for some reason. They use, they're using the word abeyance. So I guess who's the number one contender? At, well, who do you think is going to get the 205 strap? Is it going to be a Latino guy? No. <laughs> it's going to be a black guy. <laughs> okay. But the, the, they're doing a tournament for a 16-week tournament, which will culminate at WrestleMania. And there are going to be a lot of surprise entrants in the tournament. Okay. We don't know who's going to come out of it. Everybody loves surprises. Everyone does. You mentioned it just now, Ray Mastelio. Uh, much like Mike the Bully last week, the WWE has reportedly were very impressed with how he looked and performed at the Royal Rumble. Didn't you like how he looked? I did like how he looked. I hope he's got his life together. And uh, did w- did he have any you still got it moments? I don't remember. They did when he did the 619 to both guys at once. Nice. So wouldn't that be like a uh, get to the math right now, like 13 something? <laughs> That rumors are that talks are in work, but he only wants a part-time deal. Okay. Would you give it to him? Yeah, why not? Give it to him. Because Rey Mysterio, they need some, they need a Latin standout. Give him a part-time. You know why he chose part-time? Because he doesn't want to do all that travel. I'm telling you, these guys get beat up. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask a person to travel all over the country like they do, man. And I wanted you here to talk about the Super Bowl. Okay, which you did. There's another story for some reason I want to get your input on. Ah, so let's get into that right now. All right. Bruce Pritchard recently talked about how back in the 1990s, Goldust was given some serious thought about getting breast implants to further oh the, <laughs> the development of his on-screen persona. Oh, no. Now, if you watch The Man Show, you know, there was no. famously a man who got breast implants no. who was featured on The Man Show. He was featured on other shows as well. Howard Stern. Yeah. yeah. Pritchard said, and I quote, I think we were in Madison Square Garden. There was talk about some guy who got breast implants. <laughs> Everything was fizzling. There was no real direction for gold dust at the time. And the paraphrase, Dustin worked himself up for this pitch about getting breast implants to further his character. Of course, Vince would not let this happen. Vince did not want this to happen, but this is a funny story. You're the great guy for this story. Gold dust, breast implants. How would that affect his career? Gold dust, breast implants. Oh, man. This gold dust is too much, man. Just imagine, what a freak. imagine him stripping into his lingerie that he wore at WrestleMania 12, the, back, the Hollywood backlot brawl with Roddy what Piper, a with a fucking double D rack. Because he was looking at double Ds. That, what a f- Double Ds? <laughs> Pritchard went on to say that, yeah, Double D's was the size he was looking at. What a... Fr- well, go big or go home, right? That's epitome of that phrase. What a fucking maniac. And that guy's... Okay. That's com- you gotta respect that because that's commitment. Too much commitment. Too that's much dedication. dedication. Stop. Stop. All right. He was... He had an... He was... His gender-bending shtick, <laughs> you, you know, it, like, he had it down to a T, but is there such thing as going too far? I mean, for, for Vince McMahon to be the voice of reason... <laughs> 
<laughs> Touche. You have got to be a fucking maniac. That's crazy. Gold dust with breast implants. You know, I wish we could, like, whatever happened to the guy with the breast implants that was on the man. Well, to ask you, I guess we don't know, right? Because like, he never came back on? He, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. But, like, did he get. He had to get him removed. He had to get, like, how long do you go with the breast implants, asshole? At least three weeks until you and he, dehydrated. And, he, and he'd be crazy, and he'd be crazy to do that, too, because to get breast implants for a company that doesn't even have a health plan? <laughs> Not even a union? Yeah. What happens if the breast plant fucking po- implant pops? That's China's. Yeah. Now, now you got, now, now your body's, now your blood's contaminated with the silicon and the saline, man. That's, gold dust is crazy, man. <laughs> I mean, I got a good laugh out of it, but he's, yeah. he's out of his mind. You think it would have helped him? Absolutely. It would have fucking, it, well, he had, he had mad heat in the late nineties anyway. Would it have gotten him a title? No, because they're not interested in giving titles to freak shows like that. Mm. You know, was he ever WWE champ? No. Mm-hmm. There was, Rumors. See, there was rumors a couple years ago about him getting a push against John Cena for the belt. Okay, but then he left the company. No, why would he leave the company at that moment? There were rumors for different things. I think it was uh, alcohol problems, drug problems. And- oh, wait, wait. are you saying? Are you saying that? That the guy who wanted breast implants possibly could have been on drugs? That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> what a man- that guy's a maniac, man. I. But I do love Gold Dust because he's such. I mean, there is double D's in Gold Dust. Bam! <laughs> Good point. Thank yeah, you. right there. That makes sense. You know, I, I'm I'm a Gold Dust fan in the sense that he, that guy loved his art, man. He he was he, he's definitely a performer because my favorite Gold Dust footage isn't even from the ring. It's when he went on a Howard Stern show. Gold Dust. Gold okay. uh, Gold Dust. Years ago, he went on a Howard Stern show, and it was when he got beat up so badly by Triple H and whoever that. He got Tourette's. No, apparently he got thrown into like a yeah. electrical box. Yeah, <laughs> and it exploded with him, and that's when he got. Uh, and he came on Howard Stern doing that. Let me tell you something: the How- the Howard Stern show was using those sound bites for years. With him on the show or from the from Rock from, with with Goldust on the show, mm-hmm. it, it was great. And I and I've seen I've seen the episode where he, he was he was just on it and he's doing the Tourette's thing. Goldust was incredible. That guy Goldust, was funny. He's given a shitty character as Goldust, this flamboyant, feminine, but isn't that his and, doing androgynous character? I don't know. We don't. I don't know the facts offhand, but he made it work. Yeah, way more than anybody could probably could ever thought they would. Right. They asked him. They asked a lot out of him, and he delivered. Yeah. Then they give him like. Oh, we're gonna throw you into this fucking power outlet. And we're gonna give you Tourette's. He made that work too. Yep. Goldus is kind of a worker. Goldus is pretty underrated. Underrated and abused. Abused is a good word. Check out those breast implants, man. You're saying he should have gotten the implants. He would have made it work. He would have made it work. <laughs> what else do you have a, to lose? You ain't going anywhere anyway. It would have been a great concept. <laughs> he could have been a woman's champion. Right. That would have been fucked up. Another news The Rock announced that he is set to produce and star in a new NBC series called The Titan Games. Have you heard about this? No. I'll let me break it down for you. There's 10 episodes. In each episode, competitors from across America will step inside the arena to put themselves in the ultimate test by facing one of the six reigning Titans. If a contender defeats one of those Titans, they will take their place as one of the Titans. Okay? In the finale, the six Titans will go against in an epic battle to see who will be the last male or female standing. To me, it sounds like the American Gladiators. You, are you saying there's going to be a clash of the Titans? <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. That's enough said. <laughs> well, I know you love the wrestling news. I could tell your enthusiasm reaching every story. But once again, I told you in your introduction, you're a man of a thousand opinions. <laughs> We're doing listeners of this justice, a this justice, myself of this justice, and you by limiting your range to just professional wrestling. Oh wow! So here we are in a segment we call "Outside the Ropes." Uh-huh. Give you topics that are not wrestling related, and you give me your live raw reaction to them. 
I like to give Alexa Bliss a raw reaction. Oh my oh. gosh, she's beautiful. Speaking of that, there's a lot of sexual harassment, abuse scandals in Hollywood <laughs> right. and in Washington. <laughs> right. Your thoughts? I mean, you posted something about Woody Allen. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts with this Me Too, Times Up movement? Um, it's I I feel it is le- it's legitimate, and you got a couple outliers out there, oh. like the John Bucci Gross ESPN incident. She said that uh, Bucci Gross was sexually harassing her, calling her things in the text messages. Meanwhile, the ESPN released the text messages, and Bucci Gross was completely vindicated. Um, the Aziz Ansari um, story is a weird story. That was weird. I think I'm Tim Zari here. You know, I mean, I don't. I think Aziz is guilty of being a shitty lover. You know, or uh, perv, like, like a, a, a perv. You know, because according according to her story, according to her story, Aziz stuck his fingers down her throat a bunch of times, and he took his pants down, whipped out his dick, and pointed at his dick, and she came and blew him. I mean, I it wasn't her. Co- it wasn't his coworker. It wasn't right. a. a fellow of his it was they were on a date right you know it was so, going well to him let me get some so like like i'm like i just said so you're gonna get a couple outliers like that you're gonna get a couple weird stories where upon further review the guy really didn't do anything illegal um or wrong or or, or well i mean well i mean that's he, he stuck his fingers down her throat once she says no he kept going again and again he shouldn't he sh- he's not good with women man he's a shitty lover okay you got to treat you. Listen, man, you got to give the girls what they want in bed. All right. I'm not like the WWE for all you ladies out there listening. I give you what you want in a sack. Uh, all right. I satisfy. And that's and that's something that Aziz wasn't doing. But for the most part, I think some of this uh, for the most part, these stories are legit. And the meet the Me Too movement, the Me Too movement is legitimate. And I don't think we should water it, water it down. Let's talk about Woody Allen. So now Woody Allen in 2018. Now he's finally getting backlash. But we've known this guy has been a creep for years. Because he married his daughter. He he married he married Mia Farrow Mia Farrow's adopted adopted daughter. You know Soon Yi. Mm-hmm. You know we we've known he we've known he was a creep for years. We we had the we had the Ronan the Ronan and Dillo, Dylan Farrow uh, stories. You know, yeah, and all these Hollywood weird. and all these Hollywood actresses that are getting on a high horse right now. Me too. This. Me too. That. They fucking worked with Woody Allen. They didn't have a problem with it. Now now all of a sudden these, these fickle and I'm gonna say this these fickle white people because when it's Bill Cosby when Bill Cosby they come out with these allegations against Bill Cosby not in railroad in that old motherfucker you can't find the Cosby Show on TV anymore. I miss that. They fucking railroaded. Like he, 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 it's over for Bill Cosby. Go home, you know. But Woody, Woody Allen has been. Not only has Woody Allen been working for the last twenty five years, he's been he, he's been given awards and cheered mm-hmm. and, acc- and accolades for the last two decades. And this is after we've known he's a piece of shit. So, you know, all these girls out, all these girls out there, you know, the, these actresses that worked with him, Mia, Mia Sorvino, and and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I think she's defending him. Brandy Chastain and and uh, Kate Blanchett, you know, and and Ellen Page. Don't give me this. Don't give me. Oh, I feel bad for working Woody Allen. Then give back the fucking paycheck. Mm-hmm. Give back the money you got. Give back the fucking accolades. All right, because for years you motherfuckers looked the other way, you know. So don't come at me. Don't come at me with hashtag Me Too. Hashtag You knew. You knew. They they knew he was a low life, and they worked with him anyway. So there's a reckoning that needs to be held with uh, when it comes to Woody Allen. Every one of his movies is about an old guy <laughs> banging a 20 year old. Every one, you know, True. pushing pushing forward these fucking sci fi. You know, in my opinion, I mean, you you would never find this in the craziest sci fi movie. 
the the guys is the the guys Woody Allen's is Misha guys seventy year old New York Jew neurotic New York Jew and he's banging Ellen Page. <laughs> he's banging. Get the fuck out of here. He's banging Scarlett Johansson. Fuck yeah! Like so, I'm just sick of it, man. Like that's that's the one case where I'm totally at odds with the Me Too movement. Everywhere else, I'm pretty much on the same page with them. Yeah, you have to be. We are a year into the Trump presidency. Oh, okay. How's it going? It's it's beleaguered. It, we, I'm beleaguered, man. It's uh, I've said this uh, putty a bunch of times. It is not an easy time to be a liberal in America right now. Mm. I saw a video footage of Trump. I think it was at Cincinnati or somewhere. I don't know where he was. He was claiming that Hillary Clinton lost in a landslide. That Democrats have been in control. We were in control, and we don't care the country. We're in control. We fucking our candidate beat you by 2.8 million votes, and she and your president. Who's in control? It ain't the fucking libs, you know. It ain't. I'm not in control. A person, a, a per, if if you live in Ohio, congratulations. Your vote is worth three and a half more times more than my vote. We're making a comeback in the mid mid elections. Don't mid-terms. buy any of that bullshit. I'm telling you, don't don't believe all of that. We're gonna make make this big turnaround in 2018. I need to see some wins, man. I need to see it for me to believe it because Doug Jones barely fucking won in Alabama to a pedophile to a guy that got banned from the mall. Yeah, we talked this off air. Like we came over one night. Like that race was way too close. Way too close. Way too close. He was banned from the mall. Way too close. Yeah. Thank God he lost. But that's the point that I'm making. He was way too close. <sighs> way too close. And I'm telling you, these Trump supporters. That I mean, Trump. Trump is is so good at creating division and his us versus them attitude and electrifying his base. I mean, he basically he went in front of a crowd in Cincinnati and he wondered aloud if the Democrats who didn't cheer for him at the State of the Union address were treasonous. Yeah, I heard about that. Okay. He did everything in his power to delegitimize Barack, you know, and, and anyone to pretend that he didn't, it didn't happen. So he's drawn this line in the sand, and his supporters are not backing down. I'm telling you, his supporters are going to show out for him. They're not going to get disenchanted. Does he get reelected? Yes. Oof. Mike, he hasn't started the conflict yet. Give him time. <laughs> Give him time. North, North Korea's brewing, right? He's got no. He's dying to fuck with North Korea. He's dying to fuck with Iran. It's a, right, his approval rating is low. It doesn't matter. He lost by two point eight million votes. <laughs> they love him in North Carolina. They love him in Florida. They he beat Hillary by nearly five hundred thousand votes in Ohio. Okay, but it's still amazing how it's been. I think the first time ever the president, the Senate, and the House are all the same party. Huh. They weren't yeah. able to get anything, they can't done. Get anything done. They got the tax cut because it's all about rich people. Right. That's the one thing they could agree on. Yeah. Let's save us some money. Right. So we, we can talk about all night about Trump. Let's, let's move on real quick. Real quickly, NBA Finals, who are you picking? Is it going to be the fucking Warriors and the Cavs again? Celtics. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Versus Rockets. Yeah, I'm going to break the mold. Please. I'm tired, yeah. I'm tired of seeing this repeat. Finally, outside of wrestling, let's stick with sports. Sports, 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 sports. West both Marino's documentaries. Yeah. We watched this documentary as well. Need to hear your thoughts on this. Haven't touched it yet. I wanted to wait for this right here at this moment. The XFL. <laughs> Coming back. Yeah. Your thoughts is it gonna be success? Or your hopes? You worried about it? How do you think it's gonna proceed? I'm I am worried about it because I feel like the motivation this time is is sinister. You know, the XFL originally when the XFL came out, it was fun because it was rebellious. You know, they had some innovations that they introduced. Yeah, the NFL stall that we talked about. You know, I mean, I like the slutty cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. 
that was great. You know, I mean, the players, the players thought they could actually bang the cheerleaders. That's great. They could. The the players were. Some of them did. Some of them did. God bless them. The cheerleaders were hot. I like the cameras on the sidelines in the players' face. Yeah, and which the NFL stalled too. The cameraman right. coming on the field. <laughs> you know, I mean, was it was it a good idea to determine a kickoff by playing steal the bacon at the beginning of the game? You know, I mean, was it was it game one? One of the top stars got hurt. Yeah, because you're encouraging injury. You know, so some of the things. You know, so so they had some innovations. That's when it came back there. I thought it was genuine. Now they're coming back, and Vince is taking this sinister conservative angle that I'm alarmed by. Okay. Um. You know, he made it a point that everybody's going to stand for the national anthem. There will be no room for political views. No it- one wants to deal with that. You know, I mean, Vince, take it easy. You know, uh, okay, so there's going to be eight or ten teams? Ten teams? Eight teams. So eight teams. He's got a hundred million. He 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 sold a hundred million dollars and started to finance the thing. He's running every team, but there's only yeah. going to be like ten or twelve million. There's going to be like twelve million dollars per team in payroll. Yeah, he's scrubs. That I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. Um, I I feel like if they can if they can be genuine and have the innovations and take away the conservative stuff, make it like the CFL, where the CFL, CFL too, yeah. the CFL, the Canadian Football League, is a successful football league in Canada. I don't see why we can't have that here. Go to a game. I bet the tickets will be um, Dirt cheap. cheap. It'd be a good tailgating experience. You went to the XFL game. The best football experience I've ever had in my life. Remember who they played? Was the, the, the Chicago. I don't know what the team was, though. Chicago Fire? I don't know. Chicago what, Enforcers. The Chicago Enforcers. The best experience I've ever had at a football game was an XFL game. It was the the New York, New Jersey Hitmen versus the Chicago Enforcers. We went tailgating. We got liquored up. Mm-hmm, I didn't course. go win it. We didn't go win until the second half. Oh. By the time we got there, the seats were great. Like I said, tickets were affordable. We saw we saw a guy sitting up by sitting alone by himself in the upper deck. We decided to go up there and fuck with him. And just like go up, sit, just go up to him and approach him and be like, we. So we went up there. This guy was in the three hundred sections. He's sitting by himself. There's empty seats everywhere. We go up to this guy. We're like, "Yo, you're in our seat, dude. Get up." <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. What would he say? He was like a fireworks guy. <laughs> like you're not supposed to be up there, but we busted his balls. <laughs> you're in our seats. Get the fuck out, man. You're, these are seats, dude. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. You never told me that part of that story. That's great, Eric. My, my a good friend of mine by the name of Eric Glatz. He, you know, he was pumped up for the game, so he decided to look up New York Hitmen. It was not for XFL. <laughs> it was surprise, surprise. All right, surprisingly, Hitmen dot com was not an XFL site. Wow. Right, so, right. so you know, it was a it was a great time. So if they bring that back, optimistic, I'm pessimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a little pessimistic because Vince is coming off like a reactionary asshole. Mm. You know, it, it better have innovation. Let the players be players. Oh. You know, let them ce- let them let them celebrate when they get touchdowns. But they let, will. They let will. them showboat. NFL so for no fun league still yeah. still stands. We and- better have fun. Extra fun league. XFL yes, might right. <laughs> better stand for extra fun league. We're watching this because it's not the NFL. Anyway, that's all the news we got. Thanks for stepping outside the ropes. Thanks for being here in the news. Thank you. Let's take a moment and celebrate Black History Month. Okay. Following in the trailblazing footsteps of Bobo Brazil and Big Cat Ernie Ladd. 
Sylvester Ritter, better known as the Junkyard Dog, rose to stardom in the 1980s as one of the most beloved characters in WWE history. In the ring, the Junkyard Dog was a pioneer in the art of power wrestling. He was also remarkably agile for a man of his stature. And Ritter truly was as tough as a Junkyard Dog, winning the Mid-South North American Championship four times. North American Heavyweight Champion. Sylvester Ritter broke down racial boundaries, becoming one of the top drawing superstars wherever he competed. In 1984, JYD joined the WWE. His unique personality and free-spirited style made him a fan favorite, and he loved to share the spotlight with them, often encouraging younger members of the audience to join him in the ring. You get your legs down, man. You start moving. Hey, try to try to come on. That junkyard dog can do it all. The juker is going at it. He established how a superstar's influence can reach far beyond their work inside the squared circle. JYD personified what it means to be a WWE superstar. Junkyard dog visits hospitals to see that the sick are inspired. Who is that, Jeff? Junkyard dog. In 2004, the master of the thump would officially become one of sports entertainment's elite as he was posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Thank you for giving him a chance in this organization. Although the world said goodbye to Sylvester Ritter far too early, in recognition of Black History Month, WWE proudly honors the late, great Junkyard Dog. A shot of wrestling presents Raw and SmackDown here and here. What dummy would buy a Yep t-shirt? <laughs> like, it's such a stolen movement. Yeah, it's, it was... Because it's a Yes shirt that's taped over <laughs> to say yes. <laughs> yummy Yep. I will give them. I will give them credit, though. I feel like the Yep movement is strangely intoxicating, whereas yep. when it exactly, and that's the reason why it originally came out, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" But as the weeks yep. came, as the weeks came by, it grew on me because I yep. I realized that the word Yep is good to throw in after somebody finishes something. Yep. Like I think two weeks ago, they could on SmackDown they could have used it with uh, Shinsuke and AJ Styles in the ring, yep. like um. Somebody was talking trash to somebody, and it was a good opportunity for Shinsuke and AJ to actually throw in a yep. It would have killed the crowd, yep. and they didn't. Of course not. And uh, they could have did it. They could have did it yeah, on SmackDown yesterday, but they they didn't do it either. But th- there's a lot of ways they can make that work. They can keep it up, but it looks like it's broken up now. So yep. whatever. <laughs> yep. Mike Mike kept doing that throughout the entire thing. Good job, man. Yep. <laughs> you don't watch Raw, right? No, not at all. For any reason, or just because Raw sucks? Because I start, you know. I started watching Raw, and then over time, number one, I felt like it was too long. And yeah. then as I started yep. watching, as I started watching SmackDown after the roster change, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick with SmackDown because SmackDown is just better, and Raw seems to be jamming the same old storylines down our throat. So I was like, you know yep. what? I'm just gonna bail from Raw. Can you stop now, please? Yep. <laughs> 
Well, as host of the show, I have to cover Raw. Quickly, let's burn through Raw. We're going to heal Roman Reigns. He lost the IC belt. Mm-hmm. He loses a subsequent rematch. So how is he eligible to be part of the Elimination Chamber? Oh, man. Because higher powers just want him that way? But he's he lost three matches in a row. The IC belt, the Raw Rumble, and the rematch. And now he's a, he gets a shot at the Universal title. Right. This is what I'm. This is I was saying, Mike. I was saying this to Mike during the break, and I said this to him over text messages. This idea of momentum in wrestling is complete bullshit. It's completely arbitrary. If they want you in the match, they'll put you in the match. Momentum is supposed to be this idea, this principle that's been in wrestling for decades. It's ignored all the time. It's ignored all the time, and in this case, it's ignored yet again. I'm gonna cheers the new. 205 Live General Manager Drake Maverick being on commentary. This man had one job. He excelled at it. He put over the 205 Live brand. Good. He was excited. He was passionate about it. And because of him, solely because of him, it might actually make me turn into 205 Live now. There you go. Just the way he's passionate and like, we're the best brand ever. We're going to do more exciting things. He sold me on it. So I might, you know, I might, I mean. It turns you on. Because of Raw and because of him being on commentary, I didn't fast forward the Cruiserweight match this time. Hmm. I always, that's easy fast forward. I feel you know what though Easy I never during the pay per views I watch the cruiserweights because there's a lot of high flying stuff going on. Yeah, but during Raw, um, I don't want to see that. I want I want to get done. <laughs> you want to get it over with? I want to get it over with. Like give me a <laughs> give me like Lenny to the back of the head and of my men. Raw Raw's too long, long and boring. By the way, Lenny to the back of the head. Um, spoiler alert. I didn't tell you who did it. All right. Well, I I never saw I, it. Well, I never read it, and I don't intend to. You ever read my men? No. I, ne- I never did. You ever saw the movie? No. How do you know what I'm talking about? You just said Lenny and Mice and Men. But you know who I'm talking about. There's like a lot of people. Lenny's a and character men. in it. Yeah, but which one? I don't know. Exactly. Shut your mouth. No spoiler then. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to cheers Nia Jax. She gets her own hype video. And I'm hoping that brings a subsequent push. Uh, okay. So now I don't watch Raw, uh, obviously, but isn't she getting pushed? Not really. So why do they have her there? She is not in the elimination chamber. What? Because it was announced by Kurt Angle that she'll face Asuka hmm. at the pay-per-view. Okay. And if she wins... Which won't happen. She won't happen. And breaks Asuka's on the finish streak, she'll become a part of the main event on WrestleMania. It'll oh. be a triple threat match. Now, I hate when they do this. The, the undefe- so you know she knows she's going to lose. The She's going to lose, number one. The undefeated streak is a completely made-up thing. Can we stop insulting all of our intelligences, please? No, because a lot of people believe it. Please stop insulting our intelligence that it was a rider somewhere in a room that decided to let Asaka win. It's not Asaka's winning streak. It's Asuka. the It's not Asuka's winning streak. It's Two and a half years. Ri- it's the rider's winning streak. Zack Riders? Yeah. That motherfucker's on a losing streak. <laughs> uh, my final heel is The Revival. There's a tag team on Raw called The Revival. They're an old school smash mouth tag team. They have a hot theme song. The Revival? I like hot theme songs. Yeah, it kind of won me over. They kind of promo a couple weeks ago, won me over. I'm like, all right, these guys might not be that bad, all right? Raw 25, they their ass banked by DX on the Battler Club, killing any momentum they have. So then after Raw 25, they win again, kind of nice promo. And after that promo, I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of into these guys. I'm, I'm, They're my Raw tag team. Okay, that's cool. I'm healing that because they fucking lost again i hate when they do that shit man and they lost any momentum they have again and Who they lose to balor club finn balor and uh, yeah because finn balor needs more of a push 
It's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing with the revival? Make up your minds. Like Finn, Finn Balor. Oh yeah, the, those dudes with the red. Uh, they they had red on. Like I don't know what to call it. Is it is it what do you call it? like the red trunks? Trunks. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like the red trunks. Okay, I was watching them earlier. Yeah, earlier on. Raw, yeah, they yeah. they did look cool. You see, but I, I hate when WWE does that. You're right because Balor's got Balor needs tag team heat. No, because he's part of the Bullet um, Balor Club. His boys. That's like, but come on, man. Him and his team are over already, right? So them losing to this upcoming team that you're trying to push wouldn't do any damage to you, but they lost anyway, cleanly. I, I it, it maybe this is the this is the side of wrestling, the narrative side of wrestling that really just p- pisses me off. I'm sorry, problem. What what pisses you off about it? You you I, st- I think I stopped you mid sentence. So I uh, yeah, because I thought you would tell me to shut up. No, <laughs> get a little closer. Yeah. Um, the, this is this is the side of the narrative that pissed me off. Just the politics. Just we've got this guy. He's over. Let's keep him over by any means. And I think that ends up hurting the product at the end because you can end up creating much better stories if you just let other teams get chances. Let's move on to the better show, the A show, yeah. SmackDown show. You actually did watch. Yes. I'm curious your thoughts. I'll let you go first. Watching. Talk about SmackDown. Uh, all right. So I feel like the. Uh, uh, SmackDown was a good episode. There were some, definitely some highlights of the episode that I made gifts out of that were great. Um, t- to me, the highlight of the evening was uh, Bobby Roode versus Rusev. I thought it was, you know, it, it was it was fun. It was I had a good time watching the match. Yeah, Usos on the mic again. I like just fast forwarded it. New day didn't really no. do much. Time out here. <laughs> the Usos never fast forward. Okay, they've been hot on the mic since the brand split happened. Right. Yeah, they happened. Why are you fast-forwarding that? Because I feel like I heard it last week. No, it's totally different. That, that's the great thing about the Usos. Week in and week out, it's a different promo. Okay. So I cheered them last week, and I kind of cheered them again. I kind of, I don't uh. sound like a broken record, <laughs> but my job is to tell you what I love about SmackDown, and that was the highlight of SmackDown. They were the highlight of SmackDown. Hands down. Okay. So go back and watch that if you can. I will. I mean, I will if you can't, I'll play for you before you, you have leave. to play for me because I already deleted it yeah. to open up space. No, Usos never, never fast-forward Uso promo. But... I'm I'm kind of like as much as I love the Usos on SmackDown, it bothers me that they've turned them into baby faces. I don't like that. I like the Usos because oh, no, when they turn a heel team that got over into baby faces, it's kind of lame. But somehow the Usos, as of now, is still early on their switch. It's working. Listen, stick with the Usos. Keep the Usos angry. Keep the Usos black, and I'm with you the entire time. All right. You mentioned RKO. I'm gonna cheers that beautiful RKO. <sighs> Perfect. You love the RKO when it comes out of the yeah. corner of the screen. Right. And I'd say, you, you know, I've had this discussion with Mike many times. The RKO is a move that is made for television. Okay. The RKO, as the match goes on, if you see the RKO coming, it can't possibly be good if you're in the crowd. And I imagine it is good if he slinks out from underneath somewhere, if he comes from hiding and then lands the RKO. But in the ring, the RKO just isn't good. But this move is made for television because, you know, Bobby Roode is in the center of the screen. He's got the spotlight on him. And then from the right edge of the screen, here comes Randy Orton to just fuck up the program. <laughs> and that is just exhilarating. You know, it beautiful. is amazing television. It's, it's beautiful. And I cheers that because right afterwards, Byron Saxon asked, Oh, my God, Randy Orton, where did he come from? Out of, uh, out of nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill I got one more point. Then we're gonna move on. Um, I, I kind of got. I was bored by the ladies' match. I guess that's a cheers. Heel, heel. What? Um, it's kind of a cheers. It's more like a side note when Bobby Roode versus the Rusev happened. The mm-hmm. match it was a good match, great match. Yes. Rusev's awesome. 
Yes, he is. He's in line for a good push. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bobby Roode, not Bobby Roode, I'm sorry. Corey Graves said, and I quote, if Bobby Roode loses this match to Rusev, my sources tell me he's going to change his name to yeah. Bobby Rusev. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good line. Yep. Any other SmackDown? Um, only that I wish Cesaro was in SmackDown. I think he's great. You never know. Superstar Shake-Up is coming up next year. Good. Bring him. I'm oh, sorry, later this year. Bring him. Give him the belt already. Would you give him the belt? You want to give him like a mid-card belt to see what happens? I would give him, if not if not the belt, I was just talking to Mike about this earlier. I want to see him get the money in the bank briefcase. Which is makes a lot more sense. But the briefcase got more heat than the belt anyway. It does. You talk about that Bobby, uh, Baron Corbin earlier. Baron Corbin got way more heat than the belt. The, 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 briefcase, the briefcase in a character that's either beloved like Cesaro or... Or despised like a Baron Corbin because he's like this hulking bully. He's lurking in the shadows. You know, the briefcase is so good where a person like Carmella can walk out with the briefcase and the crowd goes nuts. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is show up. Yeah. You you know, you don't even really have to work. You walk in the room and the crowd goes crazy with that briefcase, man. And uh, I think Baron, Baron Corbin was so good with the briefcase that he was even giving Jinder Mahal some heat. And when Baron Corbin lost that briefcase, that also hurt Jinder Mahal, too, because Jinder Mahal no longer had the bullseye on his back as much, and it wasn't just as compelling. So that briefcase is just, it, it, it's amazing. I think I would much rather have the briefcase than the belt. Give Cesaro the briefcase for a good long, a good long time, eight months at least, where he's in the spotlight, because nobody's got more physical talent than that guy. No, no doubt. He's the best. Um, he's, he's the best. And the fans love him. Yo, when he ripped up that beach ball, that was fucking incredible. Yeah. All right. He's beloved. And give him a shot. Give him give him at least, if not a, a belt, give him the fucking briefcase. Because of ratings, this week's Raw drew a 3.055 million, which is down 10% from last week's 3.395. Raw was number five for the night behind Hannity, Tucker Carlson, the Ingram Angle, and Rachel Maddow, which is Weird because now you have the top five, three of the top five shows are Fox News channels. So it's all, it's all news shows, and we know why because it's the era that we live in. Yeah, but week in and week out, it's all news shows, but it's always always Fox News. Oh yeah, I guess. Nationwide, because there's a lot more red states and blue states. I guess is that why? Uh, but my girl, Rachel Maddow, stuck in there. Well, did you say Rachel Maddow's number one? No, there's no order here. Oh, but she's in the top three, uh, top four. I don't know where she ranks in the top four. Mm. But at least some of us are got in there. I don't know. I guess Fox gets the number one ratings because people are fucking stupid in this country. We don't use the metric system. That's <laughs> fucking stupid. Yep. All right. We don't. We don't have universal health care, and India does. That's fucking stupid. Or paid leave. Yeah, paid leave. I mean, we're stupid. Okay. We got people eating Tide Pods for God's sakes. <laughs> we're a fucking nation of idiots. Do you believe Rowan Reigns and his fans eat Tide Pods? Check out a shot of wrestling on Instagram. Because Cricket World Order has teamed up with a shot of wrestling to produce the shirt that Slick Dick Williams was proudly displaying at the Royal Rumble. Roman Reigns and his fans eat Tide Pods. <laughs> so make sure you check us out. Make sure you check out Cricket World Order on Instagram. Both of us have the link. Buy the shirt if you want it. I am a Roman Reigns fan. I don't eat Tide Pods. Are you a Roman Reigns fan? Certain situations. Hmm. That doesn't make you a fan. That makes you a casual observer. I'm a casual observer of Roman Reigns. <laughs> and therefore, you do not eat Tide Pots. Touche. Raw was number one 
in the 18 to 49 demographic. SmackDown this week drew a 2.505, which is down slightly, only 4,000 from last week's 2.509. There's going to be a drop-off after the Royal, two weeks after the Royal Rumble. SmackDown was number three on cable for the night in the 18 to 49 demographic behind the Thunder versus the Warriors on TNT mm. and the number one rated show on Tuesday nights on cable, the Curse of Oak Island. I am surprised you don't watch that show. The, the Curse of Oak Island? It's an island <laughs> off the coast of the North Atlantic. <laughs> Buddy's marking out. I do every week. Thanks for listening to the show because you know that. <laughs> But yeah, it's about treasure hunting. It's about history. You will like it. I think you get your sons involved in it. It's a good family-friendly show. I will explain a lot more of it to you once we're done recording. All right. Because I'm dying to pull more marks into the show. <laughs> you need people to talk to. You need people to talk with. Yes. All right. Any go-home thoughts for you, my friend? That's your coming here. It's been a year since you've been here. Anything else you want to You have a year's worth of thoughts. Yeah. The sum <laughs> in really 30 seconds. A, has it really been a year? Less than a year. It was Super Bowl uh, 51. Oh, man. Uh... No, I don't really have any part. I, I don't really have any part in thoughts except that as I'm watching Cesaro go beat up Roman Reigns here, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Can we give this guy, throw this guy a bone already, please? That's my part in thought. My go home thoughts are: we are recording the show earlier in the week than we usually do to accommodate my man, the voices schedule. Thank you. You're welcome. So, if in the news segment we may have missed something, make sure you check out our social medias: Shot of Wrestling No A on Twitter, A Shot of Wrestling on Instagram. Facebook.com slash Wrestling. We have you all covered. So make sure you follow us for the latest breaking news. Valentine's Day is coming up, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show. So make sure you dial it up. 619-3433-005 or inbox at com to get your questions. Eric Jaden will answer them for you just in time for Valentine's Day. If you want to sponsor the show, we are accepting sponsorships. You know, get your voice out there. Get your brand out there. There's tiers, price tiers for any any accommodating, what do you call it? Entrepreneur. Thank you. So, yeah. Any promotions or only emails, inbox at shutterwrestling.com. That's all I got. Erwin, thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you for having me, Michael J. Putty. Super Bowl prediction next year. Right in here, right now. New York Giants. Over? Over New York Jets. <laughs> you have to be a shot to wrestling here. <laughs> now he's drunk. Yeah, exactly. Until next, next week's is our second anniversary show. We have a special guest lined up, so make sure you're tuned in. But until then... I have been your host at Michael J. Putty for Irwin, the voice Escobar, for Green Man, and for B. Brian Blair. I have been your host. Until next week, Putty out. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody.